Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Understand what it will cost, what it will take. I've paid for your salvation. I've, I've covered your sin. But in order for you to receive that and you say that you are my follower, then you need to understand, no, it's going to cost you everything. It's going to cost you everything. There should be great inconvenience in our lives to follow Christ. If there is not an inconvenience in our life, to follow Christ. My question then becomes, are we truly following Him? Or are we just getting a little religion on the side? There is a cost to following Jesus. Sure, there are great promises which you can embrace and believe in. Yet when you decide to follow Jesus, you will face pressures in this world to turn away from God. Pastor David shows us today that God changes our perspective as He changes us. When our perspective changes, then we can understand any difficulty we face in this life is worth it for the sake of following Jesus. God never promised an easy life as a Christian, and our trials increase His strength in us. Now here's Pastor David with part three of today's message entitled, Tents on a Mission. It is the Holy Spirit that's going to woo and draw men to the brokenness that's necessary to receive salvation. It's not by Paul's slick salesmanship. It's not, be, it's not because he was able to, to close the deal. No, that's a work of the Holy Spirit that draws men to God and that brings them into relationship with him. But even in his temporary tent, Paul was a man that was on full mission. He he didn't put his tent pegs down very deep at all. He wasn't tied to any earthly thing. He recognized his call, and God fanned the flame of his passion as Paul continually remembered the depth of the love of Christ in spite of our sin and the severity of the death of Christ because of our sin and the greatness of the wrath of God for those that reject that gospel message. Paul understood that, and because he understood the depth of all of that, that's why his passion was so deep. That's why he continued on against every attack of the enemy. He recognized the death of Christ was sufficient for all that would call upon his name. He knew that as men came to Christ, they too, they had to die. They had to die to self. They had to die to the desires of their own flesh. They had to die to their own plans and their own purposes and then live according to the call and the direction given them by Christ. I'm afraid that for all too many, becoming and being a Christian has cost them nothing. Well, pastor, isn't salvation free? 
It's the free gift of Christ. You're not going to earn it. You can't gain it by anything. He offers it to us. But beloved, when he offers it, he offers it with this understanding. If any man come unto me, what does he say? Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. You see, it's not just, yeah, oh, I'll take the gift. Hey, thank you very much. Wow, I've got salvation. And we move on and live in whatever manner and way that we want. No, he says, if you come unto me, you've got to be willing to die. As a matter of fact, you've got to be willing to die daily. As a matter of fact, you've got to be willing to suffer all kinds of persecution and trials if you're really going to follow me. And over and over and over again, Christ in his message of the gospel, unlike many of the modern preachers of today, his message of the gospel was not an easy offer to take for the people around them because he let them know what it would cost them. He says, man, which one, which one of you having to, to, to build a, a castle? You're not going to first look at your resources and see if you really have enough to do that. So if you're going to come to me, you better pause. You better wait. You better consider what this is going to cost you. What man going at war against an enemy doesn't first stop and consider, man, do I have enough resources? Do I have a, enough troops to be able to fight that enemy? He's saying, look, be, before you come and make a commitment to me, Understand what it will cost, what it will take. I've paid for your salvation. I've, I've covered your sin, but in order for you to receive that and you say that you are my follower, then you need to understand, no, it's going to cost you everything. It's going to cost you everything. There should be great inconvenience in our lives to follow Christ. If there is not an inconvenience in our life, to follow Christ. My question then becomes, are we truly following him? Or are we just getting a little religion on the side? Paul says, he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. That's why we see how, how Galatians 2.20 was literally, I believe, I believe that that was a lifelong focus. It was very possibly a, a motto almost for, for the Apostle Paul. I've been cru- I have been, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, and yet nevertheless I live, and yet it's not me, but it's Christ that lives in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, I'm letting Christ live in me. I I died. I allowed my passion, my desire, my plans to be laid at the foot of the cross. Paul didn't feel in any way that he had to commend himself before the Corinthians. He relied and he trusted in the Lord to cover him in everything because he was holy and completely surrendered to the Lord. Nor was he impressed by any man according to the flesh. Rich man, poor man, beggarman, thief, doctor, lawyer, Indian chief, all needed to come to Christ the same way, in brokenness and in humility, confessing their needs, surrendering their lives into his hands. That's what it means to be a Christian. Submitted, broken humility before him, 
an absolute surrender. Back here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16, he says, therefore, from now on, we don't regard anyone according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a, he's remodeled. He's got a fresh paint job. He's got a room addition over here is Christ. He's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The question we have to ask here is when, when Paul says, man, we don't regard anyone according to the flesh, what does he mean? Whose flesh is Paul speaking there? Their flesh or his own? In the Greek, it doesn't really come through real clear. Best understanding in the context of what he had previously written and in accordance with what he's yet to write here as we're looking at 2 Corinthians, I believe that Paul is dealing with the fact that once he and other people before they came to Christ, they considered and they looked at Christ through the eyes of flesh, through fleshly understanding. But now as believers, as they come to Christ, they look and they understand the things of Christ through different eyes. And I can almost prove that point probably for many of you tonight depending upon when you came to Christ and what your testimony of your conversion is. Perhaps you grew up and you wondered, man, what are these nuts doing? Man, every Saturday they're going over there listening to some guy yak for, you know, half hour, an hour, whatever it might be, and then come home. They're giving that place their money when they ought to be out on the golf course. It's a beautiful day. I don't understand what this whole Christian thing is all about. Some of you maybe were in that court years ago not understanding what the call of Christ was about, not understanding what salvation was about. But when you became a believer, suddenly your eyes were open, just like the Apostle Paul, who had literally scales on his eyes. Ananias came, laid hands on him, the scales were open. Again, Christ revealed to him, not only there on the road to Damascus, but even further as Ananias opened the word to him. Now Paul was seeing Christ from a whole different viewpoint, a whole different understanding. Remember last week as we looked at chapter 4 here of Second Corinthians, we spoke about having a different perspective in life and how we look at things in, in, in life in different ways. I feel that this is where Paul is headed again. As a believer in Christ, I shouldn't regard others according to my own fleshly nature, my own understanding. When events happen in this world, I, I don't know about you, but I'm so quick to go to the flesh in my understanding. I, I hear of an event, man, my flesh kicks up, and I, man, I get angry, I get frustrated, or I get an attitude. I know I'm probably the only one in the room that does that, but it still, it, it happens. Rather than giving again the time for the Spirit of God, look at the situation and realize, you know what? That guy needs Jesus. That, that, that family over there is, is so desperately lost. You see, that's two different sets of eyes, isn't it, folks? Well, one looks at it with the flesh. The other looks at it with the spirit. The events in our world. There, there's so much within our world to get angry about. Man, there's, there's so much to get angry. And we are an angry nation right now. But I believe that we are an angry nation primarily because we are looking at so many things in the flesh. 
rather than looking at things in the Spirit. As a believer in Christ, man, I've got to check those things in my life. Prior to coming to faith in Christ, just as Paul understood Christ in, in a totally different way, you and I, our attitudes ought to be totally different as we look at the world around us. In essence, he's saying, I, I used to know, or I used to see or understand Christ according to the flesh. And yet now I, I know him not like that anymore. His eyes have been opened up by the Holy Spirit of God, and God revealed the truth of Christ to him. And so Paul is explaining here, again, that, that becoming a totally new creation as that took place in his life, now he, he doesn't see or understand things the way that he used to. He doesn't react or desire things the way he used to. The directions of his life, the purpose of his life is different than it used to be. And beloved, isn't that where each one of us need to be? That my vision is different now. My understanding is different now. I weigh things in the balance of eternity rather than this temporary realm. And I'm right there with you. It's a battle every day many moments of every day to keep that understanding. But just like you, I need to be reminded of that truth over and over and over again. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We see it all over the scriptures. Why? Because we need to hear it over and over and over again. Man, this world can just draw us right in. As a matter of fact, unless we are pushing away from the world, guess what? We just get drawn in. So unless we are actively pursuing the things of Christ, it is way, way too easy for us to have the attitude and the mindset of the world. We need to see, we need to understand things with an eternal perspective. We need to react and let our desires be driven with an eternal perspective. We need to find the direction of our life, our, our, the mission that this tent is on. The purpose of our life needs to be different than what this world pulls. Well, that doesn't mean we don't pursue a career. It doesn't mean we don't take care of our families. But I'm talking the overall scheme of things in our life that there is a purpose in our life that's far beyond the nine to five, the, the weekly or biweekly paycheck, something far beyond just the human relationships that we have, that our lives also see eternity, eternity within our hearts with a desire to live our lives to glorify him both now and forever because Paul declares he is in Christ he says he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Let me ask you this. I don't want a raise of hands. I want this between you and the Lord Jesus Christ. Is there, has there ever been a time in your life that you can clearly say, 
That's who I was. This is who I am now. Because the old has passed away. Not simply because I'm trying harder and I'm, I'm, I'm grabbing stronger, but because I died to the old man. I died to the, what's the correct way to say this? The, the aged woman, okay? <laughs> I died to that in order that Christ might live in me. Old has passed away. All things become new. Prior to our conversion, we were aliens in reference to that relationship with God. We were, we were far from it. Paul told the Gentile church of Ephesus, he says, at that time you were without Christ. You were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. You were far from the promises. He says, you were strangers from the covenants of the promises. You were without hope and without God in this present world. But for the Gentiles of Ephesus, just like the church of Corinth, just like every believer here tonight, we all have now been connected to God through Christ. And as Paul also tells us in that next verse in Ephesians 2, he says, but now in Christ, you who once were afar off, you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. So that here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, he can tell us, now all things are of God who has reconciled, he's brought us back to himself through Jesus Christ. And he's given us, he's given us, us, you and I, he's given us a ministry, the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling or bringing the world back to him not imputing their trespasses to, in other words, not counting that sin against them. No, because now Christ has paid for that sin. Not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us, you and I as believers, that word, that testimony, that declaration of reconciliation. Remember the angels told the shepherds and then what did the shepherds do? They told everybody. That's the mission we have in these tents. The word of reconciliation, verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. And he says, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Do you know what he's saying there? And it's such a beautiful, beautiful word picture. If I were on the phone to Karen, and Karen had some way of communicating with George and Nancy as George and Nancy were driving down the road. And we knew that the bridge was out where George and Nancy were going. But it's a dark and stormy night, and they can't see. There's no warnings in anything. But I've, I've moved on ahead. I saw that that bridge was out. And so I call Karen as though God, and I'm not putting myself in the place of God. Please understand that. Uh, so I am pleading through Karen to let George and Nancy know. That's what he's saying. He's as though God were pleading through us to let the world know around us, I implore you on God's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's our message. The mission that we have as tents 
is to tell a lost and dying world, I implore you, be reconciled to God. Because judgment is coming. God help us if our message to a lost and dying world is, come to Christ and all your problems are going to be solved. We're going to stand, I, I think preachers of today are going to stand in judgment for those kinds of messages. No, the message is this. The wrath of God is, is, is coming quickly. I implore you, I, I, I plead with you, be reconciled with God. Why? Because the love of God was shown, was demonstrated in that Christ died for us, died for you. Why would you allow that to pass? Five times in these three quick little verses, Paul uses that word reconciled or reconciling or reconciliation. And I think, brother, he's trying to make a point, don't you? Be reconciled, reconciliation, reconciling, reconciled, all of these things. Again, what does it mean to be reconciled? One writer puts it this way. Reconciliation is the establishment of harmony and peace between enemies. And right now, outside of Christ, the lost and dying world is at enmity with God. They are enemies of God. To be reconciled, there needs to come that place of harmony and peace, and that's done only through the blood of Christ. It's exactly where we were. We were enemies of God because of our sin, because of the attitudes of our heart. We were separated from God. We were separated from the kingdom of God. Yet when we come to Christ, all things are made new. We now become friends of God. And what an awesome title that is, to be known as a friend of God. And although we were his enemies through his plan, through his work, through his sacrifice, we now have the opportunity and the ability to become reconciled to God, to become at peace and harmony with him. And now we have that ministry of reconciliation that we, as though God were uh, pleading through us to tell a lost and dying world, I implore you, be reconciled to God because of what God has done for us. That is our mission. We in these temporary tents, because we know, man, we have a promise of something that awaits us, that there's a great thing that awaits us. And because we have that promise, we have that mission. Because we have the promise, we have the mission. Let the lost and dying world around us know, man, be reconciled to God. This isn't a strength of our own. This is the strength of the Holy Spirit working in us. It's not a righteousness of our own. It's the righteousness of Christ working in us. He took our sin, he gave, and, and he took our sin, and he gave to us the righteousness of God. Let me end with this, verse 21. For God made Christ, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's the blessing. That's the promise of ours. Now go out on mission. Amen. Second Corinthians 5.17 tells us that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. 
Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That means you're made completely new in Jesus. He has washed away every sin that has blemished your past and has given you the opportunity to start fresh and live a different life. If you want to know more about Jesus and the life of forgiveness and love He has waiting for you, please give us a call at 520-836-9676. That number again is 520-836-9676. You can also send us an email by visiting our website at theopenword.com. As a next step, we encourage you to find a solid Bible-based church to help you grow in your walk with God. With a special invitation regarding that, here's Pastor David. Yes, thanks, Chris. Even as believers, most of us need a fresh start at times. I hope that today's message has encouraged you in your faith and given you a hunger to learn more about God. If you're in the Casa Grande area and are looking for a church to attend, I'd be honored to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. You can find directions and service times by visiting theopenword.com and following the links at the bottom of the page to our church homepage. We'd love to have you get connected in. Being a part of our time of worshiping our Creator and studying the words of the Bible verse by verse as we all strive to grow closer to Him each week. Thanks, Pastor David. We're so glad you joined us today here on The Open Word. Pastor David will return to share more from the book of 2 Corinthians right here on The Open Word. Make us more.